Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. That's the Johnny McKegg band. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. Episode 218. My name is Alex. And I didn't sell out. I just bought in. Sell out like uh, Steve. Yeah. Cold part timer. Yeah. Good news is we got someone who can replace him, hopefully. (laughs) uh i don't know if uh the pay is gonna work uh i think she's worth a little bit more than that myself but uh joining us so this is it so this isn't the bachelor and she won't accept my rose yeah i mean you could give it a shot see how it goes good luck Uh, good luck (laughs) um steve of course decided to ditch out and take in a hockey game uh to go see Connor bedard and the pats beat the oil kings who uh they were so good last year. They have eight wins this season. God awful. Hope it was worth it. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> um, but we're excited because we're going to have Sarah Said of Homestand Sports joining us a little bit later on. Uh, excited to get to that. But, of course, Piffles Podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Oh, don't make me call you out on that. You know, sports junkies will call you out on that, Greg. Oh, don't get me started on that one. That, <laughs> it's going to be non-PG if we go down that route. Uh, all right. Uh, Pipples Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check out the website, pifflespodcast.com. And Pipples Podcast is a part of TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. Let's jump into it, Greg. Time for the opening kickoff. All right, so tons of football news happening since free agency, and uh, looks like we're done here. Um, Two signings to get to, basically. Um, Depth signing with linebacker Justin Herdman-Reed. That happened not too long after our last show. Got to have guys like that around. We, we, we got the Herdman read that we like, right? I think so. If Good. not, I'm okay. pretty sure you could switch them at halftime. No one will notice the difference. Well, the other one's out in BC, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he went back there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be fun just for a game. They swap spots. So whenever we play BC, they should just mix it up. See if anyone notices the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Just have some fun. It's all about entertainment, right? No, I I got nothing against it until one pulls a junior Myrtile and <laughs> um like I said, that's a that's a deaf piece you need when you're looking at probably starting Micah Tights at linebacker. You gotta have some backups behind him. This is one of them, and he's a guy who plays special teams and Canadians that play special teams. Uh obviously very important in the CFL. You gotta have those guys. So I have absolutely no problem with this signing. And it's just one that it's not one of those big sexy ones. But it's uh, it's an important one for the team. It's one that's going to pay dividends down the line anyway. Uh, just uh, especially on kick coverage, you you need those need those guys getting down the field, and he's decent at that. So, and of course, the big one, the only other signing by the Riders here, uh, at least guys that people will recognize, is Darrell Walker, uh, the how many time All Star receiver uh, coming over from Edmonton kind of solidifying that five, the starting five here for Saskatchewan. And I'm thinking because he signed so late into the free agency window opening that he probably came at a pretty, uh, pretty nice discount. Well, you'd hope so. Obviously when, if you're not one of those early signings, especially as a receiver, uh, the, you think your value goes down a little bit and let's be honest, he, it's been a year or two since he's actually lit the league on fire like he used to. So I like it though. 
you got a guy who's familiar with Trevor Harris. So you've got that instant chemistry right there. So you got two guys, even though it's a, basically a brand new quarterback to this team, but we got two guys with Im- immediate chemistry with him. So that can only help the riders in the, especially in the early games. Well, and, and going into free agency, I was wondering if they were actually going to go after a guy like Darrell Walker when obviously changes were coming to this receiver group. And we're going to talk a little bit about the receiver group here. Um, Obviously, Duke Williams was gone. Kyron Moore, we knew, was gone. Shaq Evans, we knew, was gone. And Justin McInnes went to BC. So there's four almost pretty much starting Canadian, starting receivers gone. So they bring in um, Jake Wieneke, Sean Bain Jr., and now Darrell Walker. So you have that veteran guy who knows the CFL game, uh, who's been around and done it all, won a great cup, um, I, I I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder this year because he did have a down year last season, had quite a few drops. I can't imagine that's going to happen again. Um, and it was interesting. He kind of blamed the, the Elks quarterbacks last year for basically not being very good. Um, I mean, sure, he's not wrong there, but you do have to own your, your own play. And he wasn't his all-star self, but – he still almost put up a thousand yards um, and no rider receiver had a thousand yards last year. So this is a guy who can still come in and, and produce at the CFL level and not saying he's going to be, you know, that number one receiver that the riders need, but when it's second and nine, he's a guy who's going to get it for you. And in his defense, former voice of the riders, Derek Taylor pointed out that the, Elks had like Cornelius was one of the, if not the worst accurate quarterback in the CFL last season. So um, to Walker's defense, uh, the the rooster's not that great, but who knows? Like, like I said, you have instant chemistry with Trevor Harris. I I think it's going to be a good fit for both of them. And the nice thing about the signing is he's a boundary wide receiver. He plays the wide out spot. And when you look at who the riders have, and I'm assuming this is going to be the starting five going forward, at least to start before injuries happen or, you know, maybe somebody in camp boots somebody out. Um, but I do think there's going to be a full rotation quite often, especially in the Canadians. But you're looking at Darrell Walker, Keen Schaefer Baker, Braden Linius, Jake Wieneke, and Sean Bain Jr. That's on paper right now you're starting five. I don't and need it. A lot of those guys are slot backs. So Darrell Walker can come in and play the wide side, play the receiver, and produce from there. So maybe that shifts in KSB into the slot a little bit more. And when we saw him in the slot, especially that game in BC, the guy lights it up. And if he's given that opportunity, you're going to have – I just think you're going to have a massive breakout, even more so by KSB – and it keeps everybody maybe more in a in a comfortable spot. Yeah, KSB can go down the field, but yeah, he's the type of player. If you get the ball in his hands, something cool is about to happen. So yeah, you bring him closer to the quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, having Walker as a designated wideout is something definitely the team missed last year, especially when uh, Shaq got banged up again. And you look at the Canadian spot, obviously, KSB, Linnaeus. You have uh, Sam Emelis as well, Mitch Picton, um, Juwan Braskison, who they signed in free agency. Those two Canadian spots, assuming that they go with two um, instead of three, that's going to be a full rotation to me. I don't think you're going to see a guy in there every single play. It's going to be a rotation. And I, I imagine that even Mario Alford is going to get a lot of looks at receiver this year as well, not just on kick returns, maybe as you know the sixth receiver, but rotating in special packages and plays designed just for him. And I'm really interested to see how this offense starts with a new offensive coordinator with Kelly Jeffrey, um, with how stagnant the offense was with Jason Moss the last few years. Everybody kind of knew what was happening. There was nothing creative about that offense. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of this new new blood, I guess, in uh, in the offense and seeing what they can do with all these guys because a lot of these guys have unlimited potential. You look at KSB, I think Sean Bain has 
the opportunity to just explode here in the CFL. And I'm looking forward to seeing this. Actually, I think that's one thing um, J.O. worked on going into this free agency. He signed guys with a bunch of potential. He he took a risk on Bain. He took a risk on uh, Banks. Not really a risk. You, you kind of know what you got, but they were not designated starters. So this is the, their opportunity to step into that role that they weren't going to get in Calgary. I like I like the moves this this year that uh, O'Day made, and I'm actually pre- pleasantly surprised with my optimism this year. Now let's talk about the roster flexibility a bit, uh, just with the Canadians, and talking about the two receivers. Do they maybe go three starting receivers? Do you think they have enough to be able to do that? Because they do have Riley Borsma on the roster as well, whether he makes the active roster or not. Do you think they'll carry six Canadians and, and start three Canadian receivers this year, or is it just going to be two? I don't think they have to worry about the flexibility as much as last year when they were shoving every Canadian receiver they had into the starting lineup just to make sure they got to the uh, ratio. I think they're, they've are they got a little more flexibility, especially on that offensive line now. Like th- That signing of Blake is probably the best thing that O'Day did this offseason. It's it's not going to make the splash that the Trevor Harris did, but it's probably going to be the best signing he did. Um, and the, re- the return of Micah Tights, yeah, it sucks losing Sankey to the XFL, but Micah Tights back on that linebacker rotation definitely helps with the with the Canadian uh, ratio spot. And with the ratio, do you think they have enough uh, to start eight Canadians, which? If you're going to have Philip Blake at left tackle, to me, that's the eighth spot. You don't have to have the backup be Canadian at that point. Plus, you're getting into the new, you know, um, three-year Americanized into Canadianized or whatever they're calling it, where you can play 49% of plays. It's it's so convoluted. It's a kind of a dumb rule when it gets broken down to all the little things that go into it. But you look at what they have. And so we're assuming two receivers, right? Schaefer, Baker, Lenius, and, and the rotation of other Canadian receivers. Um, Godber at center is obviously one of them. Logan Furlan's going to start again at left guard, more than likely. Right guard, people are putting Philip Blake there. Jeremy O'Day said he's probably going to be looking at tackle. So if you put Blake at tackle, there's your eighth. But you have probably Evan Johnson again. Uh, maybe even a, a new guy in Zach Fry or Logan. I was going to say, Fry's probably going to be Johnson out in training camp, the way it's looking. Yeah, so you have four of those offensive line spots right there. You have Micah Tights, like you mentioned, and then you have a safety spot who right now, I mean, there's six Canadians basically fighting for this spot. Uh, Jaden Dalkey, Nelson Lacombo uh, probably have the, the upper hand on that spot, maybe. Um, maybe even Godfrey Onyeka. Um and you can even have... put you can put Lacombo on corner, and I don't think he's going to look out of plays. Likely, you could. I think uh, same kind of thing. You're going to see a lot of rotation in that defensive backfield, um, but just, I mean, in terms of roster flexibility here and and what you have to back them up with, do you think they just go with seven, or do you think they do end up going with Blake at tackle? I think Blake's going to be tackle. I think he's the best choice right now. They they had so much trouble finding tackles last year. I don't know what they got coming in. And there's going to be a lot of new faces rotating through that tackle spot uh, in training camp. So I Blake's a proven commodity. And, he, and you know he's locked down at it. So. And here's why I think Blake is going to be the left tackle. Out of the guys that Jeremy O'Day brought in this offseason, Eric Lofton, right tackle. Cooper Richardson, who was here last year, did play left tackle here, but was better suited at right tackle. Wasn't very good at left, but to be fair for his sake, everyone was bad at left tackle last year. Uh, Jordan Tucker that they brought in, a right tackle. The only true left tackle that they brought in is a guy named Gerald Hawkins. And he was a backup with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, a couple of years ago, but he's the only true left tackle. Now, unless this guy absolutely wows and says, this is an American spot, this is my spot, I can't see Philip Blake losing that spot. 
because you know what you're going to get with him. It gives you that extra Canadian that you can start and a little bit more flexibility everywhere else on the roster. I would love to see a guy like Gerald Hawkins come in because Philip Blake's going to be 37 when the season starts. And that's getting pretty up there in football age. And as I'd like to see it go younger, but I'd also like to see that spot because it's it's the blindside spot, right? It's the most important outside of the quarterback. It's probably the most important position in the on the football team. You've How good is Trevor Harris at the left turns? <laughs> I hope he doesn't have those left turns. Oh man, I, so I hope bad. he does one. I hope he does one against Montreal. That's all I want. He should do that in the first preseason game just to screw with people and be like, "Oh my god, here we go again." Just a lazy left hand loop. That's all we need. (laughs) Um, But I think they're going to go with eight total Canadians. They have the flexibility to do that. And anytime you can start eight or more Canadians, that's when teams succeed in the CFL. And I like that Jeremy O'Day has put a lot of uh, focus on getting quality Canadians in here. And he's done that. The Riders' best years were when they had eight starting Canadians. And I think one time we actually, a few times we rolled out nine. In the Great Cup because, in 2013, I think they had nine starting Canadians. They might and, have had 10, actually. And when you have that much flexibility and that much skill, it allows you to do some fun stuff. And, yeah, the, those the best teams have the best Canadians. It's just – it's that simple. It's the Canadian Football League, damn it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm done. Um, actually, we're t- we did miss a signing. Um Rob Vanstone signed with the Riders, actually. Um, the as true voice the of the team's, Riders. Team's official historian and uh, official web writer. And my God, is he writing a lot of web stories. Uh, hope he's not burning them all right away because they've been pumping them out every single day since he started there. It, I, it's I, a move I, that made sense. It did. They were like private, like behind, oh, peeling the curtain back. The minute we saw that he was gone, my first reaction was he's going to the Riders. It made the most uh, when he left the leader post. It made the most sense, and I think the reason why we're seeing so much from him, I think he's excited again because he was at the leader post for what thirty years, like thirty-seven. Yeah, it was like Almost. it was damn near four decades, and this is a new challenge. Even though he's doing what he always did, so yeah, there's there's a little bit of. Uh, newness to it a little bit of excitement and i i know i probably read more writer bill writers uh stuff than i have in a long time one because i damn respect the man which i made very obvious on twitter several times and it's good stuff like the stuff that guy knows is like how did he well, keep all in his brain i don't know it's being the it's all, historian it, 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 i mean it's it, writer knowledge and stampede wrestling knowledge like that that is what his brain is made of He's a walking encyclopedia. You have any questions about the riders, he has the answer. He's written books on the team. I mean, so he clearly knows this stuff, the contacts he has. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the Joey Walter uh, interviews that he does because uh, they've become quite good friends, actually. Uh, Joey Walters lives down in, I believe it's in Florida. Um, I'm looking forward to stuff like that. And the alumni, he has some great alumni contacts. And I think we're, we're going to see a lot of stuff like that coming from him, which is great. But with that move, Rob Vanstone leaving the leader post, Marie McCormick, beat writer for leader post, retired. And Daryl Davis posed a really good question I saw on Twitter. If the team starts out poorly this year, one in five, two in six, something like that, with McCormick gone and Rob Vanstone gone, who are both very good at holding the team's feet to the fire, um, but they did it very eloquently. Who is actually going to hold the team accountable if things go bad? Because Rob, he, he might find a way to be able to do it, but now that he's working for the team, I can't imagine that's going to be the case too much. He's still going to try and find that positive every single time, just based off being a, an employee of the team. When you look at who else covers this team, it's all new people. And I don't think to they co- want to rock the boat with the team. They, like, they don't want to upset the PR staff and upset coach and upset general manager um, by coming in and basically saying, hey, how come you guys suck? 
when you start at one and five, get out. That's going to be the response. No, no, no. That's not, you don't ask that question. Well, somebody has to ask that question. So how would you answer Daryl Davis' question? Who's actually going to hold the team responsible or accountable? Uh, to, quote, to quote Thanos, I guess I got to do this myself. Um, yeah, it's, don't get me wrong. Like, we, I know we aren't going to hold anything back, but then again, we're not allowed in media scrums. So who knows who's actually going to do it to their face. But yeah, it's it's a changing landscape. We, and it's not even the fact that Rob and Marie moved on. It was also, let's be honest, it was a, it was a cha- it's a changing landscape when it comes to the way media is distributed to the people now. Newspapers, un- as much as I lo- long for the days of uh, the scotch drinking, ink stained uh, news reporter. That's not the case anymore. Uh, hell, Leader Post basically and Star Phoenix are done remotely. Their printing is the buildings that they once housed are no longer f- filled with people. Everything is no like the print media is no longer what it was, and will never be again because of well the internet for one and just people's don't read newspapers anymore. So you are seeing more and more. Um, sports franchises taking their media in-house for two reasons. One, they can control the narrative, and two, the other reach is not there anymore. Everything is becoming so nationalized. You could get more NHL stuff in the leader post than you could local sports because that's not their gig anymore. Podcasts, blogs, everything has kind of filled that gap of what local media used to be. And it's not coming back. And that yeah, breaks I'm my ready. heart as a former uh, journalism student. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious how it's going to go. Hopefully, I mean, we don't have to worry about this and the team doesn't start, you know, one and five, two and six, and, and things are all sunshine and lollipops and, and whatnot. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. But, I mean, it's, it's a very legitimate possibility that this team starts out slow with all the changes that they've had. And, and given how last season ended, obviously this, I think this team is going to be better than last year, but I think it's a very, um, and you, unfortunately you can't question. even, and you can't even really trust the radio stations to do it either because one is the voice of well, the uh, broadcast partner of the writers. So it's not like they're going to. Okay, he he does he runs his mouth occasionally, but that's another story. But <laughs> and CJME, they they can ask questions too. But at the same time, they need to play nice because they need guests for their show. They need certain things. So the people that are going to be honest are the people that are, that don't care if the writers like them or not. And I guess that puts us in the column. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. We'll see if they let us in. Well, yeah. we'll we'll talk to the team. We'll see what they I mean, obviously we would do it with with respect and whatnot, just not yeah. why you why do you suck right now, but you know what I mean. Um I'm interested to see where it goes. But uh yeah. Um one other thing here on the opening kickoff we want to get to really quick. Uh going to jump down to the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars signed C.J. Beathard to a decent uh, backup contract, backup quarterback contract. Of course, that's where Nathan Rourke, uh, formerly of the BC Lions, signed. Is he going to get screwed by the politics of the NFL and not even get a fair shot at that backup spot? Long story, yes, with a but. Short story, no, with a maybe. Um NFL scouts like the guys they promote because that's how they make their money. Because if they promote the guy that they didn't say anything about before, well, then they're not really good scouts. So, of course, they're going to promote the guys they bring onto the team. So Nathan Rourke just kind of falling in the Jaguars' lap isn't helping anybody out. That said, CJ is a solid veteran. And you want that behind a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence? Do you want to back up Trevor Lawrence with another super young rookie? I don't know. But at the same time, they gave 
Rourke quite a bit of money up front, more than most CFL players get going into NFL. I think with Henry Burris on that staff, he actually might get a fair look. Will it take him some time to get on the roster? Probably. Look what happened to Steve's favorite uh, player, Chris Strebler. He was on and off the active roster all season with the Jets, and the Jets were terrible. Like they're, they're, the Jets are basically like driving a Brinks truck up to uh, uh, Steve's other favorite player, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, uh, to get him going. So it's, I don't know. It's I, I think I think Rourke did the right thing I, for his career. I think he's going to get a fair look. Is he going to become a starter? No. Anyone who thinks he's going to be the starter this season behind a guy like Trevor Lawrence who had his coming out party this year is crazy. Is he going to be backup, the anointed backup going into the season? No. No one thought that. Well, one person thought that, but that's beside the point. So I I, I don't get it. Like, let let the season – like, we're not even training camp yet. Let, Let camp happen let Rourke earn that spot. But before then, like this, is he going to get screwed? Is he not going to get screwed? I think we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves, which welcome yeah. to CFL Twitter, I guess. <laughs> I hope he does get a shot. And like you said, with Burris there, I think that they'll give a little bit more leeway to that CFL quarterback. Um, I hope he doesn't get screwed because I mean, if you're, if your seventh round pick outperforms your first round pick and does it consistently, he should get the start. That's not going to happen, but he should. That's the way it should work. Look, look what happened in San Francisco this year. Look, they did pretty look, good. Yeah, they did pretty good. Brock, pretty anyway. <laughs> Brock was the beast incarnate, if you will. So going into next season, if he's not the starter, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, and they wasted how many picks to bring Fields to um to San Chicago. Francisco. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chicago. Or not Fields. Who am I thinking of? What's uh Lance, sorry. Trey Lance, yeah. Trey Lance, sorry, not Fields. So yeah, they they they, they traded up to get him, and then now their starting quarterback is the last pick of that draft. And I don't they can't sit him on the bench because look how he did. Okay, to me, Nathan Rourke, is he gonna get screwed by the politics? He, I think he will. I hope he doesn't. Just because he has Henry Burris with him, and I know Henry Burris doesn't make all the decisions in Jacksonville, but hopefully with that ear in the coaching staff, he can be like, hey, give this guy a chance. Just let it, give him a chance. If he doesn't perform, okay, cool, cut him. But like you said he got a $200,000 guarantee in his contract for going there, which a lot of CFL players don't get that kind of money going up there or going down there um, to the NFL. So there, it, it shows that the Jags are fairly serious about bringing him in to compete. And it's not like CJ Beathard ever really lit it up consistently in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, they're probably going to go with Beathard as that backup. But if something happens in training camp, you never know. So mm-hmm. I, I hope Rourke just gets the fair shake that he deserves. And I know, like you said, scouts they want their their draft picks even their seventh round draft picks they'll hold on to them um just to prove that they know what they're doing when in reality it's garbage um but i just hope he gets a fair shot if not i know there's you know a league up north that would love to have him back so um obviously we all wish him well and and making the the active roster in jacksonville or somewhere else in, in the nfl but i just hope he doesn't you know, played by the politics and just becomes a number. I hope he actually gets a sh- a fair shot. I, I think the biggest thing that's going to tell us what the Jags actually think about Nathan Rourke is if they draft a quarterback fairly high in the draft this year. If if they start picking off guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, then Nathan's got a shot. If they pick a guy anywhere between two and four, yeah, he's got a free $200,000 and it's probably going to be on the practice roster all year. Well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. 
Well, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never, never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll just get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for golf, baseball, MMA, and more. Plus, with same game, same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I mean, if you're dropping futures down right now, the Riders kind of looking like a good pick to me right now. Oh, they! I I love it. I, I put a bit of a sprinkle on them. Put a little sprinkle on the Argos, even though the value is not as good as it probably should be. Not putting not putting a sprinkle on Montreal, though. Hey, uh, I had them last. Teams, no? I I had my uh, I I have them last in my uh, power rankings for a reason. Uh, no owner, no president, no chance. Ottawa's got to prove it. They win free agency every single year, but yet they suck on the field. Until they until they do that, they're lost to me. That's just that's my argument for them. Uh, Montreal's lost too much. Our, uh, yes, you're right. Ottawa hasn't proved anything, and they probably won't prove anything but I still think they're in a better position than Montreal is going into this season. All right, well, time now for the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And joining us this week, we have a very special guest. We have Sarah Said of Homestand Sports joining us. Sarah, thanks for uh, for making time for us. Thanks for having me. Um. First things first, you just finished actually covering your first full CFL season. What was that like? Um, it was amazing, actually. I loved it so much. Uh, obviously, a lot of learning along the way because it was my first time doing a lot of these things, but I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Everybody was so kind, fans, um, other people in the media. So honestly, like coming into year two is just going to be like even more exciting for me <laughs> and you covered mostly the toronto argonauts i know you covered uh their great cup uh per or championship uh parade and all that kind of stuff um following you know a team around being in toronto or i mean the toronto area right and and seeing them win the great cup and being a part of a whole championship thing are your expectations for year two just like so high right now because you you basically did everything in year one how can that be topped in year two honestly I I I couldn't even believe when they won because for me like it was it basically felt like it was the cherry on top of like I said like such a great experience already um and yeah I definitely have a high expectation I'm definitely like we're winning again <laughs> like I have you know that cocky like champion attitude with me like I did not do anything they they take should take all the credit obviously but I feel like a part of it which you know because obviously I got to experience like seeing them practice seeing them you know even in the losses as well and then seeing them kind of recover from that so seeing all the stages um of the wins, the losses, the celebrations and the emotions and all these different things. And then at the end, coming out with the trophy is just such a cool thing to see. And like my heart was so full. I was so annoying that week. I was like telling everybody, <laughs> by the way, the Argos won. They were like, okay, <laughs> all my friends and stuff who don't even watch the CFL. But no, it was really good. I, I got to ask, though, that great cup game because I was there live and I, as a writer fan, was so happy to watch the Bombers lose. Um, going through it though, that those last couple moments with the block kick and then another block kick and what, what was it like on your end? It was 
incredible to see because obviously Chad Kelly just pops in um, MBT's finger was hurt right so like that was like a curveball that you didn't expect and it kind of felt like there was that that fear that momentum could get lost because the score was so close and it really could have gone both ways um and then just seeing how like at, at the end there Chad Kelly was especially was was able to do that like he what he ran for like 20 yards and yep. he just kind of like set them up with the first down all over again, really kind of boosted their, I feel like morale at the end there. And everything just happened so like perfectly. It was like, you know what I mean? It was like, you couldn't have asked for a better result for the Argos in those last moments, especially, especially against the Bombers where it's like, even though the Argos are a great team and they're top in the East, there's that still that fear and that intimidation of like, oh no, are they going to win again? You know, I think that's always in the back of your mind when you're playing a team like that. Right. So the mentality aspect of the fact that, that they could like push through and push through and that everything kind of fell into place. Like you couldn't have asked for a better ending. It was such a great game to watch. So many people even messaged me and were like, they just tuned in just because it was on TV who, like I said, are not fans of the CFL and they were, so invested in that game so that was really cool all right well we brought you on we are a rider fan podcast we have to ask you about the riders we'll talk about the argos and, and a little bit more in the east in just a couple minutes here um but from your perspective i mean we've shared on our show over the last month or so especially the free agency our thoughts on the team from somebody who's kind of on the outside of saskatchewan looking into this riders team what are your thoughts on their free agency and their offseason so far? Well, first, let me just say, I actually love Riders fans. I feel like you guys have a special place in my heart because I went to Touchdown Atlantic and everyone was so welcoming, so much fun. I get, got to do the, what's it called, watermelon on the head thing. <laughs> so I did all of the things and I, I just, I, I can't wait for, for this year too, to just see you guys again back in Halifax. Um. But in terms of the whole thing, kind of looking in from my perspective, honestly, the best word to describe the season, unfortunately, is like disappointing um, for you guys, just from my perspective, because, you know, the main thing was, you know, the riders just like didn't make it to the postseason and they were hosting the Grey Cup. Like that's kind of the sentence that just unfortunately sums it up and I feel like that's hard for you guys and I feel I feel for you. Um, but that said, though. That said, though, I do think that the free agency moves um, that the team managed to accomplish are pretty good. Obviously, Trevor Harris, you know, huge addition. He has so much experience and he just seems so passionate, too, about joining the Riders. Like he the first of all, you, I'm sure you guys have all seen that content of him walking into Mosaic Stadium and he's literally smiling so much and, um, you know, so excited. He even said, like, I wanted to be a part of that team in the back of my mind in, in 2015, which is like, what, seven, eight years ago. So that's so cool to see him already having that picture of like being part of that culture in his mind already. And I feel like that's what the writers need. You know what I mean? Like, especially you know, after the Cody Fajardo stuff, like I think Trevor Harris even said, like, I want all the smoke. He wants, you know, that pressure and, and understands the expectations that Riders fans have, like rightfully so. Um, so, you know, obviously after the Cody Fajardo era, there's like the 77 sacks. I can talk about it. The like infamous franchise record, you know, that's obviously discouraging for fans and stuff like that. But then to see this um quarterback come in who's ready to go and then also obviously you guys added some um guys in the offensive line you know Peter Godber who played for the Lions too he the Lions I think they were like the second like they scored the second highest average points I think in the game in per game in the CFL last year so just that in itself is great um and then you've got all Philip Blake as well who's a veteran who's coming from the Argos first of all both of those guys are born in Toronto so you're welcome uh <laughs> uh, to be fair the Argos never should have got Blake that was one of uh, mm -hmm. O'Day's biggest mistakes ever I did hear that I did hear that <laughs> um but you know he's back at 37 right so like you got him you got him still he's not retired and I'm really excited for you guys because like you know, he's obviously versatile as well. And then I think before free agency too, you guys got a bunch of guys on the offensive line as well. So there's hope, you know what I mean? Um, I think even O'Day was saying too, like there wasn't many guys that you guys could even get. Like, I think he made some offers to people and then they just rejected it 
and stuff. So I think based off of what was the the stuff that was out there, the opportunities that were out there, it really seems like the riders like grabbed them all and were like, okay, this year we're not going to do what we did last year, which is really, really key. Um, And I love that Trevor Harris too. Like, I don't know if you guys heard this. He was like recruiting players, reaching out personally. Daryl Walker even said that he messaged him. Like, that's so cool. You know, like that's exactly the kind of man that you guys want in there. And then obviously, you know, I can go on and on, but you guys got some receivers and all kinds of stuff. So I think it was successful. I think I could see, I'm, you know what? Maybe I will be a writer. <laughs> well, we got plenty of green here. Join us. You, so uh, yeah. I know, if you ever I'm make saying, it out here, we got you covered. Now, but like, <laughs> no, I'm excited for you guys. I think it's going to be awesome. What do you guys think? Well, we were actually just talking about uh, the Darrell Walker signing. Um, disappointing yeah like you said that was the that was the main thing for for last season but the steps that they've made I think uh Jeremy O'Day's done a really good job in free agency of getting younger getting still some established players but they have a lot of ceiling like getting a guy like Sean Bain we were talking about this year I think he's ready to just pop off and to get a guy like him and and you have the the aging veteran who had a bit of a down year last year with Darrell Walker, but he's still a vet in this league. You need to have stuff like that. Is he going to put up a thousand yards? Maybe not, but does he need to? No. And I think they're I think they're in in position to at least make a playoff run, at least get get to the playoffs again this year, and not you know lose seven straight to finish the season like last year. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think for Drell Walker too, it's like just the having that veteran presence there is just so important to um to guide the other guys, the newer guys. And Juwan Breskinson too, like former Argo, you know, I think he could flourish with the riders as well. I think I think there's so much opportunity and it's just gonna be interesting to see how it all comes together. Um, you know, how like Trevor Harris even his relationship too with Jake Winicky like that's a whole other thing too in itself and Jake Winicky's year was also down but I feel like just that like new energy of coming to a new place and everything too also Jake Winicky I call him Jake the wise he is so wise <laughs> I interviewed him once and everything he was saying was literally like I told him after I'm like that was like a therapy session like that was not even like an interview like you helped me um so their relationship and them having that kind of like uh, leadership mentality, I think is so important in this situation where like, I feel like last year there was, it was a little bit chaotic. <laughs> I think one of the best things that J.O. did was, yeah, he signed uh, the veterans like your Micah, uh, Micah Johnson's like your Daryl Walker's, but he also went to get the next guy up like a Stephen Banks, like, like a um, Sean Bain. So you're, you, you've got that veteran presence, but you got that up and comer that right behind them that's going to help the team. So. Yeah, totally agree. All right, well, let's flip it over here. Um, you eat pizza with ketchup? I what? do. <laughs> what? Why? I like it's ketchup. Like, that just seems weird. I know. And it's one of those things everybody makes fun of me for it, but it's. <laughs> My mom did it growing up. And you know, when you just do it because you're a kid and like, she just puts ketchup on your plate. She does it. And then I, I just, now I can't not do it. So it's one of those that I grew up with, unfortunately. Like dip it or knife and fork? Oh, definitely dip. Definitely dip. And you like do spicy ketchup now? Cause that's a thing. Or like the, the ketchup mayo stuff no just no ketchup. It, it's you ha so here's what i do i have the ketchup and then i have like a secondary dipping sauce whether it's ranch or like garlic sauce type of things oh crunch um, you crunch it uh, yes yes <laughs> so yeah that's my go-to if i don't have any dipping sauce it feels too dry i feel like but you know i'll still have it she apparently has never had regina pizza if she thinks pizza's dry I've never been to Regina, so that's I'm I want to go. Regina style pizza is a thing, despite people saying it's not a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of toppings. It's like this thick. Oh, it may as well God. be deep dish. Yeah, it sounds like deep dish. <laughs> and we don't have a pizza pizza sponsor on the show, so uh, go to Juliana Pizza. They're they're yeah. my favorite in the city. Anyway. Um, Back to, back to football here. Let's let's go to the Toronto Argonauts. Um, win the Grey Cup last year. 
they kept a lot of their free agents. Um, they added a Darius Pickett, Darius Sirocco, uh, Ormolod. They got Jordan Williams in a trade. They just brought back Dontrell Inman from the NFL. I, I'm not too keen on that signing, but still, they're bringing in guys, and you know, key guys are re-signing. Andrew Harris is back. Enoch Malomba's coming back for one more year. And did the rich just get richer? Like, they just won the Great Cup. They were the best team in the East. And it seems like they got better. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased. <laughs> I think the Argos are definitely going to be at the top in the East again. Like, for me, it's just a fact. I I know there's hope in Hamilton with Bowley by Mitchell, but, like, I have to rebuke that sentiment. Like, I have to as an Argo supporter, but also a shout out to Bowley by Mitchell. Um, but I love the fact, so Pinball kind of stuck to his word. He said that he wasn't going to make that many big moves in free agency with newer guys. Um, and he was just mainly focused on getting the same guys from last year back. And he did that. And they were good for a reason. And the culture was awesome too. Like you could just tell it was like such a good vibe. Every time you see the guys together, like they're just having fun. They're close friends. Um, and then you have some really good leaders too, right? So obviously Enoch Mwamba, like Grey Cup MVP, um, you know, he's from my city he's from mississauga i did and we have like his dad was my substitute teacher growing up and i recently discovered that which was crazy oh, cool <laughs> small world but no but he's such a great leader as well as andrew harris of course and like you know we get to watch andrew harris have his last year in the cfl with with the argos which i think is a really cool thing you nobody would have expected that i feel like just like a few years ago right um and then also like you know, Andrew Harris obviously was injured. Then you see AJ Willett step up. He did amazing scores two touchdowns in the Grey Cup to like leave such a good impression for us. And it's just so exciting to see him kind of come back. Um, obviously, you know, Boris Beattie, everybody knows him for so long. He's like a veteran, another veteran presence as well. Robbie Smith, who again in the Grey Cup, like he was the guy that blocked the game winning field goal, like pretty much in the like last minute, right? So there's so many people who like not only are either either they're like just great veterans or you know made a good impression or just like there's so much positivity I feel like with every guy that was re-signed and just the whole team as a whole I'm like oh this really just feels like I could just see us winning again or just having that winning mentality I think it's so important to keep those that momentum is what I'm trying to say um obviously when McManus is one of my favorite guys because he's so positive um, really supportive of all of the players around him, always making jokes and stuff like that. But also he's such a good player and we did not see him give his full potential, unfortunately, because he was injured. But like, I, that is what I'm probably most excited for is to see him just dominate next season. Um, and, you know, of course they added like some great guys like Florin or Malade too. Like he's, he literally had his best season of his CFL career. Like he had six sacks, Two of his sacks were in the Western semifinal. And and I feel like that, I really like to see that because like when a player performs well under pressure, when a player performs well in a situation that we, this is when we need you to perform, that's what I love to see. And I feel like bringing a guy like that to a team that is hoping to make it to the Grey Cup again, you know, that's key. Um, And it's actually same for, uh, who is it? Oh yeah, Darius Sirocco. Like he he played in two Grey Cups too. So again, like guys who have been there, who have seen that, you know, who have gone to a place where they've been in situations where there was a lot of high stakes. I think that's so important as well. Um, obviously Darius Pickett, great ad as well. I feel like he seems like the coolest guy. Like when he did media for the Argos recently, he had this like velvet zip up you know, jacket and like these shades. It was like definitely, they were definitely indoors and he was definitely wearing shades indoors. And I just, I love that energy because that's like, for me, that's so, so perfect for Toronto. It's like that cool guy, you know, energy. He knows he's going to win. He has that kind of winning attitude. Again, we need that. Um, And he was voted the Al's most outstanding defensive player. Like he was so good last year too. Um, So yeah, Jordan Williams obviously was traded to uh by bc but i think he's also great at, like i just I, I for me it's like not only are we seeing the moves that are being made to secure the main guys from last year and i think for for good reason because they performed well but i also think it's because of um just that culture aspect like i said right like kind of solidifying that that good culture that winning culture that that bond that they have but also you're adding in guys that truly just 
like I said, like seem like they have that winning mentality and that they're ready to get there. They're not going to shy away. Right. So, oh, I'm sitting here. I'm so excited. Like <laughs> I I'm ready. I'm ready. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so you're saying you have a positive outcome of the Argos this season. You, you outlook. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So that means you're a Chad Kelly believer, like with MBT basically stepping down to the USFL um Chad Kelly's the guy so yes I will say yes I'm a Chad Kelly believer because I'm an Argos believer um I I think he's gonna do great I think you know what it's 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 very interesting because I really did think that Dana Evans was going to come into to to Toronto you and Um, everyone else right I know and that's the funny thing right we we always have these predictions and the predictions end end up being like a belief you know but like that was not official, obviously. <laughs> and then look what happens. Um, but you know, for me, like Chad Kelly, there's a lot of hope for him, I think. And also, obviously, you know, he has that legacy aspect with his uncle being Jim Kelly and the Bills, and that, and then also his success in college. And and he also has what I do like a lot about him is he has that confidence that you want to see in a quarterback. Like you, he he's gonna have all eyes on him and he's going to still, you know, he's not gonna get nervous he's going to be thriving off of that energy um and then obviously too he had the McLeod Bethel like like mentorship from McLeod Bethel Thompson which I think was huge and he spoke about that too he even said like literally like right after the Grey Cup he's like McLeod Bethel Thompson pretty much set me up to be here you know so he like recognizes that appreciates that and you could see like he honestly really improved a lot so I remember I remember this really well it was like week three um I think the Argos were in BC, Nathan Rourke times. So you guys know how it goes. Um, the Argos were losing badly. Like they were getting obliterated basically. And I think that the BC Lions won like 44 to three or something like absolutely horrible. Um, and at that point, you know, the game was like done. It was like the last couple of minutes they put Kelly in, um, you know, it wasn't a good performance. He got sacked like almost immediately. I think he had an interception too. He was just really messy but the whole game was messy because they their momentum was gone they were losing already it was just not it um but you know that snippet of seeing him there versus like seeing him in the last regular season game against the Alouettes um obviously they were at home as well and it was like you know night and day and and that was his first time being a full like starting quarterback and obviously that game didn't have any high stakes to it at all it pretty much meant nothing and we lost 38 to 33 but you know you see him he's throw for two touchdowns and he had a rushing touchdown himself there was definitely like a totally different energy there I think like seeing that transition play out is just very positive and and there's a lot of potential there but he at the end of the day though he's the most inexperienced quarterback in the entire league right it's what Taylor Cornelius after him and then like Jake Mayer I think so that's for a team that just won the Grey Cup with a veteran, like a real veteran who's been around, you know, to to have to have full faith in a new guy who's playing only his second year in the CFL. It's a big deal. It's a big risk. It really is. But I feel like it could pay off. And honestly, one thing I will say is I hope that the Argos go off with the marketing because this guy is like the most, you know what I mean? Like he's the typical cool guy starting quarterback. And he obviously has, you know, a f- fans already from college and whatnot. So like, just, I want to see him on billboards. I want to see him in funny videos. I want to see him literally to the point where we're annoyed. Like I want to be annoyed, but I think that that's an opportunity, right. For the Argos to like, go off so I have hope I'm gonna say that I I'm not gonna <laughs> you like I you can't go in with the sad sad outlook or I'm not even a sad outlook you you can't go in thinking any kind of negative thing so I'm I'm a Chad Kelly girl at this point <laughs> well I we'll hope he lives up to the hype because MBT is one of the most interesting guys I've ever heard from and a lot of people don't know his story and and how spiritual this man is and just how I mean to some people out there he can be and I wish more people got that in the CFL so hopefully we see you know the real Chad Kelly and who he truly is really you know blossom in this league like you said that I mean they call him swag Kelly for a reason right Um, 
But sticking with the quarterbacks, Dane Evans gets traded to BC. The quarterback carousel is a, it's a main topic in the offseason for a lot of CFL fans. And CFL fans, generally speaking, they want to see guys stick around on their teams. And they want to get to know everybody on their teams, especially here in Ryderville. Um, people love their players that are here. And we see that everywhere. The one-year contracts obviously didn't help. Now with guaranteed contracts, you'll see guys sticking around for two, three, and, and longer years. But what's your take on the quarterback carousel that we've seen in the CFL over the last few years and just the amount of new quarterbacks that are in this league? Because when you look at the starting quarterbacks, only two of them have ever won the Grey Cup, and that's Zach Claros and um, Levi Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, for this year, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I did not expect a lot of things to happen the way that they did when it comes to the quarterbacks in free agency. And I guess that's, again, part of the fun of free agency. I did read somewhere that it's almost like 78% turnover rate with CFL starting quarterbacks um, from one season to the next, which is a crazy number, in my opinion. And there's only nine teams. So like, you know what I mean? It's just even crazier. Um, But, you know, like, like I said, like during the week before free agency period, like that tam- legal tampering period for me, it was like a roller coaster of emotions. I was constantly refreshing my feed to see what was going on. And actually the wildest one was Trevor Harris to Saskatchewan because, you know, he seemed the most locked in with Montreal, like out of all the players entering free agency from the Alouettes, like. I remember seeing reports that he was likely staying there and stuff like that. Obviously the reports and it's rumors or speculation, but you still felt like there was that kind of solidified, you know, he was staying type of feeling. Um, And also he's an older guy. You figure maybe he wasn't going to like want a fresh start at that point in his career, but like ultimately, you know, things that come out of nowhere and you see it like with the league, like there's things that come out of nowhere, like example, the Alouette's ownership situation what so all of us now suddenly are like trying to make sense of it on our own end just looking in but then you but then that also really affects the players and I feel like those things obviously COVID didn't help in the last few years and all kinds of different stuff like play a part for sure but in this case too like I feel like that the 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 ownership situation with the Montrealouettes which was unexpected I think that really set things off specifically for this year, um, for sure, you know? And so like, obviously from there, you see for Jordan going to Montreal, which is, I didn't expect that was, it's so funny to see how it just switched over like that. Um, and then, yeah. And like, I think, I think, you know, I don't know, I don't really know what to make of it, honestly. Like I'm kind of along for the ride. That's how I try to think of things because leagues change, um, like the way that like, you know, the way that 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 teams want to move forward, I think, with culture has it's kind of shifting a lot, especially because of the social media aspects. Like I feel like last season, seeing even just the social media presence of teams versus even this off season is so dramatically different. And I know it's just social media, but it's like it's more like I said about the culture and just the mindsets have are kind of changing, changing, changing to keep up with this new generation with this new way of consuming media and everything like that. And so I think with that comes along like like the additional pressure of we need to we need to like constantly make sure that you know we're on track even in terms of players and stuff so like I feel like when you see all these things change um really really quickly at least in my opinion I feel like it's like it's like it's it's just part like I said it's part part, it's part of the ride like I feel like nobody really knows what's happening and I and there's clearly instability in a lot of different areas and confusion in a lot of different areas of what direction to go into um but you know, I think like, I, I, it's actually something that's like, it's hard for me to answer. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know what to make of it, but I'm like excited about it. Like it kind of is cool to see the changes because it, it's a fresh start, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm not like an expert on, um, the, I haven't the last couple of years, I wasn't really as invested as you guys were. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Quarterbacks in the CFL never typically moved as much as they have in the last couple of years. It's been a weird ride, and I know a few years ago, well, Ryder fans are a fun bunch because, of course, Caleros got traded from here to Toronto to Winnipeg and then went immediately went off and won two Grey Cups. So, and everyone's always, well, we should have kept Zach, and that's fine, but people forget that 
Cody Fajardo was the most outstanding uh, nominee from the West that year. So the Riders made the right decision in the short term. They thought they had their guy. and Unfortunately, the guy is now in Montreal and we got Montreal's quarterback. It's It's been a weird couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I love chaos. I just want to see everybody just pick up and just new teams. Why not? Yeah, sure. Every three years, everyone just switch. Everyone just yeah. change chairs. Let's see what happens. Exactly. Kind of saying. I'm like, I'm along for the ride at this point. I'm just going to hop in. <laughs> but speaking of social media, uh, time to throw down. <laughs> As the self-professed logo snob, <laughs> explain yourself on your rankings. BC1? Like, I'm with I'm with you with the Red Blacks. The Red Blacks are terrible. The good news is in a couple of years they'll get a new franchise, replace this one, and then they can have a new uniform. But I, yeah, <laughs> the Red Blacks are bad. <laughs> yes, um, they, 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 all their fans hate me anyway, so it's it's fine. So. <laughs> um, my rankings. You know, I used to. Fun fact: I used to work in the fashion industry, so. I don't know if that gives me credibility. That's my, that's my, if people get mad at me, that's just what I'm going to say. I've decided that's what I'm going to argue. But I'm um, a fashionista and this is what I think. I have a degree, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, the Lions jersey was specifically the gunmetal Lions jersey. You know, I, I mean, I don't mind the other ones. I'm not a huge orange girl. I will say that. Like, I'm not like, you know repping the orange like if it was just like an orange like lines like sweater I would not necessarily dabble in that in that avenue but um <laughs> but definitely the gunmetal it just looked cool and I think also like just because the lions had that sick like that reputation last year they were like they always who was it that was always wearing that mask um Lucha Lucha's pure boy yes he was always wearing that mask and, you know, just that badass energy with the mask and the, and the Nathan Rourke and the, all these things. I think that kind of made that jersey cooler to me. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that dark gray is really nice in terms of, I think you guys, are you guys mad at the Riders pick? Is that? <laughs> I just, I just kind of laugh because your, your favorite bomber jersey is a Rider retro knockoff. That's all that jersey is. I did not know that the yeah yeah the racing the racing stripes on the shoulders in gold are is the same look as the riders green and white retro look interesting oh paul except except for the giant w that thing can burn in hell i hate that thing (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i mean yeah it was actually very hard i had to ask people that was working with in the office for their opinions um i did not think that many people would care about my thoughts on this i'm gonna be honest with you i thought like it would just be one of those videos that people were like okay and then like next and then so many people were like actually no this is wrong okay let's fight let's do it (laughs) if if anything cfl fans are loyal to the colors they wear and how dare you speak ill of whatever it is me i just like making fun of people and talking (laughs) trash about jerseys i i get that i i I'm open to wearing different jerseys. That's the funny part is like I'm an Argos uh, person, but I'm open to rep. I actually, my first jersey is, I I ordered both of the MOP jerseys as my first jerseys from last year. So I don't even have an Argos jersey. That's. Which is good because I honestly, I got to (laughs) admit, Toronto besides the Red Blacks is probably in my worst jersey because if you take the numbers off it, it's just a t-shirt that says Toronto on it. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, but all that merch with the baby blue and the and the old boat. Oh, that's just gorgeous stuff though. Come on. I I don't get me wrong. I I like I love the fact they brought the boat back. I do. I think the boat should be blue, uh, baby blue so it looks better on the helmets cuz you can't see it from far away. But I I yeah, I like the I like the double blue. Like but their jersey's too plain for me. Same with the Elks is too green bay-y. It looks like they bought it at a fire at a Green Bay fire sale. So like we need we can be a little bit more original in the cfl people that's all i'm saying video i i was saying for the elks like i think it'd be really cool to do something super modern just because like you know they i feel like they have the opportunity to just like be different some you know have like a really cool like kind of like the gunmetal and kind of like the what was it the steel um color that the hamilton tiger i didn't like that but also 
it's the tie cats for me in my mind so that's <laughs> probably why but i but like i didn't like that shade of um gray but i think it's cool i think it's a cool idea to make like you know like these like new totally new like colorways i think it's awesome okay one more question on jerseys here and then we'll let you go um <laughs> it's a debate that happens at least once a year here in saskatchewan and I love them. I'm in for. I'm I'm for them. Should the Riders? They used to have a third jersey that was a black jersey. So this is the green and white team. Would you like to see them in a black jersey, or would yes. that just be like, you know what? No. No, I think that's so cool. I think black is always equals badass to me. So if you want to be badass, please wear black. I think. <laughs> I think it also like stands out in the West. You know what I mean? Like just having that. I mean, I know the stamps have their all black as well, but I feel like because it's red stuff is going on there, that feels different to me. But yeah, I think all black for sure. Let's do it. I think like is it wait, so are where is the green on, on the in the jersey? Is there any it's green? It's just trim on the on it was, the it was uh back in the day it was just the numbers that were green. Green with white yeah. line. That is cool. I, I'm very pro this. Yes. Okay, Greg, you don't like this. I know you don't like I this, hate but it. there's nothing I more badass. It. You look at the 2004 team, look up Reggie Hunt in that black jersey. That right there is intimidation just in a picture, okay? There's nothing more badass than Reggie Hunt wearing that black jersey. Um, and I'd love to see a guy like, geez, I don't know, Ace or um, and honestly anyone. I don't, I don't care who wears it. I want to see the Riders wear it again so give me give me the block yeah i'm gonna look this up this is really this is really intriguing to me i love learning about the history like the historical kind of jerseys and outfits and uniforms because i feel like those they kind of they're kind of cooler than the ones now is that a controversy you want to see something funny look up the winnipeg signature look now that is funny looking (laughs) wait i'm gonna google that right now winnipeg (laughs) winnipeg blue bomber signature look Blue bombers. They wore them once, and the players refused to wear them ever again. Is it have something on the sleeve? Yeah, like... it's camo. It's blue camouflage oh. on the sleeves, and they had camouflage helmets. <laughs> I mean, I know you guys are not bombers fans. So... <laughs> uh, yeah, I would not. The I didn't like the helmet. I don't like the helmet. I think the sleeves are fine. The helmet's a lot of a lot of camo going on there. <laughs> It's camo. It automatically gets a no for me. Not a camo guy. No. But Sarah, um, thanks so much for joining us here on the Pibbles podcast this week. We appreciate it. Of course, we'll find your stuff always on Homestand Sports. Lots of stuff going up there. And uh, thanks for for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. That was Sarah said of Homestand Sports here on the Churchill Brewing Company Odds and End Zones. Looking forward to seeing if she comes out to uh, Saskatchewan. She's trying to get out to every stadium this year. And uh, hopefully we see her in Saskatchewan this year. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Piffles Podcast this week. Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support to make the show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Jacobs.